what they're listening to. Yeah, I'm glad you asked, little buddy. 24-7. so funny. Comedy Radio. Why can't they just be crazy? Crazy, crazy. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support The Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone, welcome to The Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our good friends over at 247Comedy.com. Make sure you head over there, check out... You know, check out that iHeartRadio app. They're one of the top comedy channels on there. Stand-up comedy, 24-7, all the time, streaming. And as Logan said, we were brought to you today by Amazon. And I know what you're thinking, Amazon, oh my God. Oh my God, it's a jungle out there of online retailers. I'll go to Amazon to help out my mom because Mother's Day is literally just around the corner. Don't be one of those crappy sons or daughters who doesn't get your mom anything. You can go, whatever kind of mom you have, power tools. Fishing, <laughs> whatever, whatever kind of stuff your mom is into. Get her a hydraulic press. Hydraulic press, exactly. There are plenty of options for your mothers. Uh, all different kinds of moms, all different kinds of options. You go to shantygreen.com. You click the Amazon link. You got you hook your mom up, and you do something nice for others. And uh, all moms appreciate that. I'd like to welcome on my left hand man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, what's going down? What's up, man? All right, solid intro, Logan, as always, and our special guest for the evening, Mr. Matthew Champagne. Matt, what's up? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me in your green room, Sean. I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming into the green room. We uh, kick things off here a little bit late. You're very apologetic. I won't I won't bust your chops too hard, but... I'm really sorry, man. It's all right. I, I, I'll be honest to you and your audience. I forgot. Sure, cut loose. You, you, you asked me to do this podcast this morning. Yep. It's very excited. Sure. And I just to make a long story short. I forgot. I was uh, I was in Santa Monica at nine o'clock. I was supposed to be in Silver Lake at nine o'clock. Yep. Uh, for those not familiar with the Southern California area, those uh, those two places are far away from one another. So it's a bit of a hike. Yeah, it's about seventeen, eighteen miles. Yep. So, uh, but traffic on the ten eastbound, smooth sailing. Oh wow! When I got to the one ten, though, that's when I had to get off. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you my route. I got off sure. The yeah, we're already <laughs> di- we're already I, in this deep, Matt. I, I, I got Don't leave stage. us hanging. Anyway, the point is is that I I forgot, and I uh, I was only reminded when Jim Bruce uh, went up to me and said, "So you're doing our podcast on Sunday, right?" And I went, I heard podcast, and I was like, "Podcast, Shh. podcast, podcast, podcast." Wait a second. I look at my watch, and it's eight fifty-seven, and I'm yep. nowhere near the green room. Nope. But took a little bit of a hike. I was twenty eight minutes late. It could have been much worse. Could've no, much worse. I, I was yeah. um, when you gave me that nine thirty. You told me, "Hey, Sean, I'll be over there by nine thirty. I thought that was one of those things of like, okay, he's saying nine thirty, but he just said he's also in Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah and then yeah, he called yeah. back ten minutes later to ask where my street was. So I was not optimistic <laughs> that you would get here by nine thirty. But you hit that nine thirty on the mark. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, when I know I'm going to be late, 
I'm on time with my lateness, if that makes see, sense. See, yeah. I even – but see, I, I get sucked into the idea of like – I'm usually not late. But if I am, I'll just do the standard 10 or 15 minutes and just hope that that's right. Because yeah. you, you get like in a panic of like, oh my god, I'm late. I feel bad. I'm burdening these people. I mean, not that uh, Logan and I had anything going on. We were just sitting and, you know, <laughs> watching the paint try until you got over here. But yeah. you, you know what I mean? The idea of like, oh my, just that feeling of being late is kind of the worst. Just like, ah, it, it's agita. You, you know what's awkward too is that when you do something that you get mad at, when you do something that you're like, oh, God, that was so dumb. What I like to do is most of the time when I do that, I'm by myself. So I can throw myself a little tantrum. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But in the unurban, it was crowded. No, and I just realized that I was. I looked at my watch, and normally I would just go, <laughs> "Fuck!" really loud. But, but I'm happy to report that I'm not that much of an antisocial guy. That I actually, I was like, "You were aware not, enough not to scream out, not to scream like a crazy person." Not that that would stand out particularly at the unurban. No, the unurban is a little coffee shop on uh, in Santa Monica. There, they do an open mic. Yeah. Now, so I, way, how did you end that conversation? Oh, you know you what? Heard I, I, I was just, you immediately. I was. Just, I gotta go. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> Jim was just like, "Oh, did I just remind you?" I'm like, "Yeah," but at this point, I'm not even looking at him anymore. I'm walking yeah. out of the apartment, <laughs> and he's like, "You're welcome." And I, and I didn't even like. I need to talk to Jim now because I was clearly Jim kind of, Bruce, <laughs> another uh, another comedian, host yeah. a podcast as well. That's right. Funny gentleman. Are we allowed to mention that there are other podcasts? No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> uh, normally I, I mention other podcasts just to talk shit on them, tear them down. Uh, you know, WT Mark Marin, just I crap oh, yeah. on that all yeah. the time. That podcast sucks. I mean, what, who listens to that? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he is. Mm, yeah, I guess I. I just he's such annoying as a person. I feel like that. It's yeah. I, I like the interview, and I like what I do he, too. And I like what he gets out of guests. I can't. I don't have this relationship with any other talk show where I actively don't like the host, but still end up kind of enjoying the show yeah. and listening to it. Yeah, it's, yeah, weird. it's fun listening to an antagonistic interviewer. Right. But I, like, what's what's what gets me about him is that is that he. It's not like he needs to listen to you talk about how hard it is for you or how bad yes. it is for you or how sad it is for you. you know? Right. It helps. But him. it goes beyond just like regular schadenfreude, like taking, taking pleasure in someone else's, you know, uh, unfortunate thing. Mm-hmm. He, like a vampire. Yes. Needs to hear stories <laughs> of other people's adversity. Yes, he, he feeds to, off that. He has to hear it. It <laughs> makes him feel better. You know it is mean? funny though, but he's like the he's like the antithesis of the of a vampire, at least as portrayed in these Twilight movies. Like, you know, it's these super ripped jack <laughs> yeah, dudes. Yeah. And then Mark Marin, who's just this kind of nebbishy, pale guy who's like neurotic and in his own head and right. lots of uh, facial hair. Yeah. It's it's like it's like he hearing stories of other people's struggles and failures makes him feel good. Yeah, I mean, it, but, but beyond just like, ha ha, look what happened to you, right? Like, oh, good. Yes, he yeah, feels I, satisfied. I, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a form of validation. Like he feels right. that okay, everyone else had this hard time. I'm not crazy for having a hard time doing comedy and whatever. Right. I mean, yeah, the WTF podcast that he hosts, it's, it's definitely interesting and has its moments. But yeah, as a guy, he just, oh, he's just this whiny right. cat persony. Just super affected, like just a lot of stuff that's annoying about Los Angeles. I feel like is encapsulated in yeah. Mark Maron's on-air personality. People, he gets he gets people to talk. It gets it's like he like 
It's almost like when someone asks you a personal question, but they haven't earned it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He earns it somehow. Right. Like he, he he gets very personal with them. Because you wouldn't tell somebody like some what? personal stuff about you if they if you didn't feel like they deserved to hear it or hadn't hadn't earned it in some way. Yeah, and and I think the same way. It, I mean, and I think part of that is the the reputation the show gets in the same way that like Howard Stern. Gets a reputation of like, oh, when you go on Howard Stern, you say something outrageous. So like that's what the – oh, OK. You, you either say something outrageous, you do something outrageous, outrageous stuff happens. Yeah. In the same way that Mark Maron's podcast is a reputation like, oh, you know, people come on and reveal stuff. I think that helps people open up like, oh, other celebrities have revealed stuff or comedians, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Although Howard's a pretty good – He's got a pretty good bullshit detector. Like if someone's just doing it to do it, like yeah. if someone's like he doesn't, he's not having it. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess I mean a lot of people yeah. do revealing stuff, and I, I just think like people aren't afraid to talk about outrageous situations or sex or stuff like that, where they they might be more closed off in other shows, but they're like, oh, you're on Howard, he's going to get you to open up, and they the the history of the show I think helps these people succeed as well. That's true. You also get the sense sometimes on Mark Maron's show that he's been around for like 30 years. In and yeah. Out of yeah, he New gets York, really uncomfortable when he's like interviewing the younger the younger people, right. especially right. the yeah. more successful younger he's people. He's very yeah. spiteful oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. vengeful. That's right. But when um, talking to the old comics, he's like, oh, yeah, I was there with you. I mean, right. you, you have success and I have yeah, a podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's but... always about success. It's always about the degree of success. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. He's very, he's very attuned to that. Right. Now, you grew up in uh, Southern California, right, Matt? I did. Orange County. Orange County. Garden Grove. All right. Now, Garden Grove, for uh, people not familiar with the area. Suburbs? Uh, that is a suburb, yeah. It's about, you would say, 15-minute drive southwest of Disneyland. Okay. So it's in the – it's like north of Westminster, south oh. of you know Buena Park. <laughs> All right. Area, okay. Area, got it. Area. Got it nailed down. So, yeah. like, as you know, as far as a childhood, uh, yeah, Matt Champagne childhood. What are you kind of into as a young kid? What oh, kind? Of, what what strikes to, your fancy? Going to church, bro. I really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I I did it. I I don't know if I was. UK. Uh, you come from a religious oh, yeah. background? Pretty Catholic. Pretty Catholic upbringing. Catholic oh wow! Schools. I didn't I didn't know that. About oh really? Yeah. I guess I don't talk about it. Uh, yeah. Catholic schooling all the way. Nice. Altar boy stuff. A little bit of Boy Scouts. Okay. No now, molestation. I'd have no stories of molestation. For sure, because you were just, I mean, you seem like a perfect candidate. You got that Boy Scout, <laughs> altar boy. I love the... Uh, I was hot. I was really <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're just, bait, you're just bait, man. You were an undercover. It's like 21 Jump Street, except for altar boys. You were sent back yeah. as an older kid to go back. I was hot, but I was no piece of meat. You know what I mean? You had to appeal to my intelligence. You know exactly. I, mean? right. I, was no, I was no easy lay. You know right. I mean? it, you, not just a little communal wine. You, right. you, had a, you, had a, you had to have a conversation. Exactly. Take me out for a meal besides right. like the wafers. Yeah, besides Jack of the Box. Besides you know, a, you know, a, a milkshake or something. Show me a good time. You know, yeah. hey, hey, we did the soapbox derby. That's nice. That's somebody. Right. I, I'm not ready to open up yet. Yeah, there's a brain here, okay? <laughs> exactly. I'm not just a flash of the pen. I'm not just some bimbo, all right? <laughs> My eyes are up here, Scoutmaster. My <laughs> eyes are up here. No, were you uh, – so when did you bail out of the Scouts? Well, kind of early because I didn't like uh, camping. I had as- I got asthma attacks <laughs> and stuff like that. I didn't like it. I was, I was a bit of a quitter when I was a kid. Yeah. I quit things like the trumpet. I tried to start playing the trumpet and I didn't like it. Trumpet. 
I picked trumpet because trumpet only has three valves, so I thought, oh, that's gonna yeah. be easy. Yeah, trumpet, it seems. Trumpet's fucking hard. Yeah, it's the hardest one. Trumpet's hard. It's all about lip. You know what I mean? It's all about your lip. And uh, so I, I, I quit that after I don't know three years or something like that. Boy Scouts or Boy trumpet? Scout, both. Trumpet, okay. Quit the Boy Scouts. I quit bowling for some reason. I used now, to how do you bowling. quit bowling? I feel like that's tough. Uh, I just stopped going. No, wait. Just, was it a bowling league? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like after school every Friday. Oh, okay. So you as, as a young a kid? Things. I did quit a lot of things. You might have quit a lot of things, but it sounds like you've done a lot. Yeah, you well, experienced yeah. a little of everything. You know. Now, would you consider yourself – how would you describe yourself? You said you had asthma. Um, <laughs> I, I see don't have it anymore. I okay. got that. Oh, really? Yeah. I quit asthma. Okay, nice. You even <laughs> nice. gave up on asthma. It, it wasn't for me. It just yeah, wasn't for just, me. It didn't stick. <laughs> gave it a few years. It wasn't I was working. Too tall. You know what I mean? Like the best kind of asthma kids are the short ones, I feel. You know, just those short kind of stocky asthmatics. But I was kind of always a lanky kid. And, uh, so so ac- wait, acne worked. Sports? Were you a sports kid at all? I tried basketball because I thought, well, I'm tall. Right, so easy thought, fit. Right, and I played uh, around the world by myself every morning one summer, you know, so I thought, oh, man, I'm getting pretty good at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and plus the, the, the hoop that my dad set up above the garage was so far below regulation height, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I, had, I had a false sense of, like, what, like, where that hoop was supposed to be, so when I joined the team, I was like, oh, wait a second. Not only, uh, <laughs> no. There's two things I, I didn't have going for me when I joined the summer. Is like, there were no other guys I was playing with. I had no idea about the rules of the game or teamwork. Yeah. <laughs> fundamental levels of teamwork. Right. And also, that hoop, way too high. Exactly. Way too high. <laughs> is that where it's supposed to be? I remember asking somebody, <laughs> Asking somebody the first day of practice, I was like, is, is that... Is that some sort of novelty torture right. thing that the coach has set up? <laughs> right. I think I said something like, what's up with the hoop? <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst, though. Like, even... I noticed just from playing on outside courts and then playing in inside courts, even, like, six, seven inches makes a big difference because yeah. you get your shot kind of dialed into a certain height. And then when it's not that height, you're kind of like, hey, what the what the hell is going on here? You, you're you definitely a little off there. Yeah, yeah. So now wh- how would you classify yourself as a kid? Were you a nerd? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, it did the fundamental things like D&D. But I was always the dungeon master. I didn't like playing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like being in charge. So okay, so you you you're kind of the alpha male in the D and D society. <laughs> yeah, as, as, as alpha anything as you can get uh, in the D and D world. Now, what like take us through? Um, well, like how does a D and D game get together? How, like how long do you run it for? Well. It's important that you're all virgins at the time. I mean, if you start discovering girls, you're probably not going to be. Uh, so that's, you don't have that's, the attention span, right? That's important. You want you want a group of you know basically ten to twelve year old uh, uh, guys in your neighborhood. Um, I wasn't so much into the rules. Those rule books are way thick, and I didn't feel like reading all that stuff. So sure. I I had the dice, and I kind of came up with my own rules, and I tried to keep that going as long as I. <laughs> As long as I could, and yeah, I you know what? Now that I think back on it, I didn't play for that long. Maybe yeah, maybe a year you quit. So yeah, I quit that too. <laughs> yeah. The story of my childhood is just a long series of quitting. Really. Now, what what do your parents say when they're like, um, "You're quitting all the time"? Were they were they busting your chops no, you like, "Hey, what? Matt, stay with this"? Or your parents kind of like laissez faire? Were they it sounded like you went to church a lot? Were they disciplinarians? I I'd be surprised 
I think that they would be surprised that I categorized my childhood at lo- lo- like that. I don't think they probably remember it like that. Yeah, they just saw it as like, oh, Matt has a lot of yeah, different interests. When I call it quitting, it's probably just a harsher way of just saying I, I began and ended phases. You know? Yeah, I mean? exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't need to be. I didn't want to play trumpet anymore, so I stopped playing it. Right. You know, I guess you could call that quitting. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you maybe stop, you just you do something you don't like it anymore. You stop doing it. So exactly. You I, experimented with trumpeting. That's you what, didn't. You didn't go all on board right. and then quit. Trumpeting. I didn't inhale. I didn't inhale. Yes, uh, exactly. The I, I, in fact, I did the opposite. Okay, I exhale. You I blew. Exhale you blew that's trumpeting, right. and because uh, that's what you have to do with it, with a trumpet. Then uh, yeah, so uh, so now high school hits. High school hits and uh, high school's rough. Freshman year is terrible. Oh, I started playing saxophone though. Oh okay, uh, yeah. Whoa. So now you're yeah. pimping. Yeah, that's ba- that's a now sex- rough. Sex- how with the oh fre- the no, peers? Just, you know, fourteen, you're fourteen. You're getting picked on. Uh, you know what? My stories of being bullied are no different than any other person. Sure, typical bit- stories of bullying. Yeah, see Plenty that's why sex in the hall start getting picked on. No, that's when uh, yeah. <laughs> That's when I, whenever you hear these stories about like, oh, they got bullied and uh, yeah, I don't man. know, I I just felt like everyone at least had a few years where they felt like they were the outsider or they were bullied or they were picked on. Yeah, I mean that's just especially if you have guys, even if even if you are a part of the group, the fact that you're getting picked on is probably a good sign, just because like, oh, hey, you're part of the group, we're busting your chops. Yeah, did you have you seen this documentary, Bully? No, did I haven't. That? It's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. Well, it's- now there was there was a lot of controversy. Originally, they were they weren't able to even get, or they were only able to get an R rating or like an uh, X rating or something because it was it was yeah. so. And then eventually, I guess they the I think it was the Weinstein brothers or something worked out some sort of deal, and oh, they eventually they? got it to PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what what was the? Uh, I mean, obviously it's about bullying, but what what kind of what well, did they take you through? The uh, the main things I remember from Bully are the footage that they get, like. I don't know who was shooting it. I don't know. Do you know? Do you happen to know like how old? <laughs> Are the they person... going around to playgrounds and like inciting fights and stuff? They would capture some really personal stuff. Like they were following this one kid around. This poor, this poor kid. He's just getting now. Do they on. blur these kids out? Their no, faces? No, no. Yeah, that sounds See, like no. that, that sounds like a legal a legal nightmare to me. Because yeah, okay, I'm nine years old. And my kid, or you know, let's say I have a nine-year-old kid, and he's kind of being a dick. All right, that's one thing. But then you take that footage and then sell it in a documentary. They don't follow around the bullies; they follow around the kids getting bullied. Sure, but, but, but I'm saying see, like you do see, you see the bullies, which I don't understand. That like there's someone there holding a camera, unless that person and I, I should read up on it. But I they, was it, it was some of them hidden cameras? I don't think so. Like they follow this one kid to his bus stop. He leaves his house and walks to the area where the bus is going to come. And he's waiting there with two other guys. And they're both picking on him, right? But he has this really kind of pathetic relationship with them where he's like, yeah, they pick on me, but that's our friendship. Like, he sees that. That's the only way he can connect with these with some of his these kids. Are, yeah, they do punch me. Yeah, they do strangle me. <laughs> oh, but Jesus. It's, but it's, it's, you know... They're right. It's, yeah, they're, you know you're I mean? part it's of the group. This, it's this thing, and, and and there's a scene where he's telling his dad that, and his dad's like, "No, no, they're if they're punching you, they're not your." Friend. Now that's a, that's a weird moment. How do you get cast in a bully documentary? <laughs> because like you see the audition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I want to see the guy that got rejected. It's like, yeah, what? You know, I, what? what? I can't be in your movie. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm just. 
Now, how many titty twisters did you get? Okay, see, <laughs> yeah. I I want to see a little more. There's no scarring, right? Are you bullied online? I feel like that's popular right now, cyberbullying. Okay, you're not cyberbullied. Sure. I'm sorry. You're just going to go have to go back to being bullied and not be on a documentary. That there's a there's a scene where he's on the bus and this like and you know how they mix some areas they they'll mix high school kids with like kids in like junior high like, like yeah on the bus a, yeah you'll have a ninth grader in there with a sixth grader or a, you know a tenth grader with a seventh grader or whatever it is and this one kid is just ki- like kicking him like in the in the face and stuff from across the aisle there you know and I'm just like someone has a camera. And is capturing this, and of course, after that scene, there's a caption that comes on the screen saying, "The filmmakers final, you know, went to the principal." And yeah. then you have these poor principals. I mean, it's like I feel bad for everybody in this, except for the you know the bullies. But even right, you know, and let's be honest, they're probably you know you know why they're bullying because they don't feel good about themselves. <laughs> yeah, I, I love how people always give you that sage advice, like, "Yeah, you know, twelve-year-old uh, bullies, they're not." They're not really open to like Freudian analysis of their ego. Like, <laughs> hey, you know, you know why you're kicking me is because secretly you feel bad about yourself inside. Yeah, like, yeah well, I'm going to kick up, you, nerd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? Let me give me some time to figure out that that out. In the meantime, I'm going to punch you in the face. Right. That's that? A, that doesn't help you. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. I'm sure their parents are shitheads who probably hit them or they saw abuse yeah. in the home, and that's why they beat up kids at school. But what's what's a principal supposed to do? When a bunch of parents go, hey, my kids being, my kids are, my kids being picked on, and then another group of parents go, my, is a principal supposed to like have meetings with with the entire student body? And go, hey, quit being bullies. Quit. I guess I guess that is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. How are you supposed to like police that? No, I mean it's crazy. And I then mean- it takes a kid killing himself. It's like there's it's co- it's covered in the documentary that some of these kids just like they fucking give up and they just hang themselves wait the kids that they cover in the documentary end up committing suicide um no but but you're not sure no i'm I'm trying to remember they cover no 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 no, none of the kids that you see being interviewed that are being like part of the film uh no but they 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 cover parents they cover a couple like this these two parents like their son like hung himself and it was just like you're supposed to think about it's like, all right, okay, so that's a terrible thing, right? What's a principal supposed to do? Now, yeah. I'm just curious. What, what, how I mean, what, what is what is law enforcement like? I mean, we're supposed to yeah, no, make I mean, sure that kids don't bully other kids at school. I guess. Yeah, I mean, you can only do so much. I mean, yeah, like you said, you. I guess you do you the get, PSAs. You talk to them about it, but really, what, you get coaches, you get athletic coaches to like be out at recess and be more. No, I mean there's, there's all kinds of ways to bully a kid now. It's like with the internet and the, yeah, that girl that hung herself. And I think when it gets physical, usually it's handled well. I mean, you get suspended or you get some sort of punishment. I mean, they're kid. They're just kids. They're going to learn. Hopefully, there's always that possibility that they're just making mistakes. Really, really bummed us out here, man. <laughs> well, I don't know. how do we get talking about it? I don't know. Uh, so wait, I there, do that. I was, do that on podcasts. I'll start to. You just, you're the guy <laughs> because I like. You're the cooler. We're trying to I be like, more like Mark Marin. I like watching. I like watching documentaries. documentaries well, that's like the documentary. Often, you know, the, the documentary of the. San Francisco Bridge, where they just set up a camera. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I, there's no way I would see that. They set up a camera and just documented people jumping off oh, the no, Golden no, Gate no. Bridge. Right? No, it was. Yeah, it's terrible. It was. It was about. It was about people 
that have done it, or uh, people who knew people that did it. It, it wasn't you, oh, you. You get some footage, right, of like the actual camera. But I'm just saying that sounds like to me that sounds like an insane bummer that I would never want to watch. Yeah, I same reason. It. Like, what was the? Uh, what was the? <laughs> I, it's like I have, you think. Yeah, I, I, I have. It. It's like I can bum myself out just thinking about life. I don't need yeah, yeah, to like. Yeah. For me, when I'm watching a documentary or a TV program, it's like okay, I'm gonna get really interested in this. I'm gonna get this is an escape. I I don't need to be bummed out from my entertainment or my escape. Yeah. I mean, I see what's interesting about it. Like okay, this is a fascinating aspect of humanity, but the idea of like just Golden Gate suicide jumpers. It, I, I, but did you enjoy that? Did I, you feel better for watching it? I don't think I feel better, but here, here's the thing. There's so much bullshit on television. Sure. There's so much fucking made-up bullshit, even if it's funny and well-written. Sure. I always feel like, all right, this is this is clever, and it's. but I'll, can, I, can I watch something real? Yeah. And that's where I turn to. I turn to right. true crime documentaries. So after creepy, you're done watching... Because here's the thing. I'd rather be creeped out and scared by something real than... No, sort of, I, you know what I mean. I, like, I get, I get it what you're saying. Makes me feel alive. It makes me feel like I just watched some life. I've been living in L.A. for a long time. I'm an actor. I don't yeah. have. I don't do anything real. I don't see. I don't see anything real. I don't travel a lot. You know what I mean. So it's like I, I watch documentaries to get to kind of experience like watch, life. Right. See reality. Which is really kind of sad. <laughs> they should make a documentary about me. <laughs> they should make a documentary about the guy that thinks he's looking at real life by watching documentaries. You know? This is very Truman esque. Yes. Okay, so Matt, now let's let's try to figure out how you get from. Okay, what was the oh, uh, so high school? We high, school high school. Yeah, we kind of uh, you were getting bullied a yeah, little bit, but, but whatever. Not not any, you know, just not really bullied. Just you know, made fun of. In a, right, high school's a bitch. Yeah. It is for but a lot just of the people. First year, it starts to get better. Sophomore year. Okay, yeah. now sophomore year, when it starts to get better, why does it get better? What's your groove? Where uh, you find your rhythm? I started doing plays, man. Started getting <laughs> into drama. What? <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah! Started uh, started acting, and that was better. And I liked now what I what that. um what drew you to acting originally? What's that? What drew you to acting? Originally? Oh, just being a ham, really, in front of the class, you know. Yeah, yeah. But that was all through grade school. Uh, you but were, I didn't you start were... doing a play until I was like in high school and stuff. Now, what was so you just got off in the idea of like, hey, we're going to get together, memorize some lines. What... No, 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 I, I went. And... I auditioned for a play at school at, at the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm saying yeah, right. like, what was appealing about it? Just the camaraderie, oh. the doing the the performances on stage. Oh, I felt like I was good at it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I felt good at it. Now, was that like uh, how how was the chick scene in drama in high school? Were there were there attractive girls in drama? Sure, yeah. But oh, okay. I was still even as if I could say so myself, as good of an actor as I was. Right. It, I, I wasn't any more attractive to the to. It the wasn't. Girls. It wasn't helping you. No, 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 no. I don't think girls are attracted to guys that are 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I think I mean, if they're maybe kind they of... they are by default because they're only around them. Yeah. But, right. you know... I think if they... The, act... minute, the minute they get out of high school and see that they have access to much older guys, they immediately, you know... Sure. Go. Yeah, usually when you're out of high school, you're not looking to still hook up with the 14-year-old <laughs> in the no. play. Oh, that right. match... I'm 23 years old. It's time to hook up with a 16-year-old <laughs> who just got the lead in the Macbeth play. So now... You, when uh, when when you graduate high school, is that the plan? I'm going to go to acting school. Yeah. I'm going to become an actor. I auditioned for this acting school in Chicago. I auditioned for it in L.A., but the school was in Chicago, and I got in. And I just basically asked my parents, "Well, I got in. Can I go?" And they were they were like, "Okay, all right." 
right, so I went. <laughs> now, what did, what was your parents' take on acting or just the idea of you? They've always been like, whatever, you know? <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It is a, it's a funny, like, way of being supportive, but it's just like, yeah, man, just kind of do your thing. Keep yeah. on doing that thing. They, and... they never they never said no What way. kind of background they, do your parents come from? They're uh, my. Uh, they're both from the South my uh, South Bay area. My, my mom's from Wilmington near San Pedro, and my okay. dad was from Compton actually. Oh, really? Yeah. CPT, the, the Compton of the thirties and forties. Okay. Uh, <laughs> as I say, Pop doesn't get back to the hood very much. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't hang out with his uh, his yeah. uh, old old pals around Compton. Yeah. So they were they were uh, Catholic school kids. They met. You know. They what met. they What they do for a living? The, oh, uh, my mom was a bank teller, and my dad used to work for the uh, FAA, the Federal Aviation Association, okay. at Long Beach Airport. He was he fixed radios and stuff. He was electronic, so now yeah, radio this, kind of a guy. It sounds like you have a very, you know, very just kind of straight laced suburban lifestyle oh, growing yeah. up. Did yes, you, and it was. do you think uh, what actually? What do you think? Just great weather too. So, yeah, uh, awesome know, weather, Southern California. No great. controversy. Just uh, no, no, I really no. I mean, that's the thing. That's what's nice about Southern California is, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, like, if I had kids, part of me would be like, oh, this would be a great place to raise them. But then part of me is like, ah, I feel like you're tested. Like, even just having crappy weather and stuff like that, I feel like, you know, I feel like it it tests you a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. See, that's the thing. That was the great thing about going uh, to college in Chicago. I was like, I didn't know what Orange County was till I left. Right. I had no idea. I had no idea how famous Orange County was. Like, I didn't know how every, like, er, all the kids that I was meeting in college, they were, they all came from different places all across the country. And they had, they and had I said, where are you from? County. I said, I'm from Orange County. He's like, oh, they, they all knew what it was. But I, no, when you're from there and you don't know anything else, yeah. you don't think about where you're from. You know what I mean? And then you go away. So now you're in, you're in Chicago. Yeah. You're I'm going Chicago. to acting school. Yeah. I can't believe I went to Chicago. Like, I can't, like, I'm glad I did. Now, what, think, do you, what do you mean you can't believe? Like, why, well, why would I do that? Why would I? I'm right by L.A. Yeah, I want to be an actor. Why wouldn't I just go? I'm glad I didn't. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, no. I mean, well, in, in hindsight, it probably is a good idea yeah. to like actually go away, yeah. learn the craft. It was. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was good. But it was mostly good socially. You know, it wasn't like the school. Have you ever seen that Inside the Actor Studio show? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was a school like that. It was extremely really? serious. Very, Extre- very serious. Very, very serious. And so, now, like, give, what's an example of something that, in hindsight, you realize like that's kind of crazy to oh, okay. take it that serious? Yeah. yeah. I, the cra- the weirdest thing we ever did was a, a voice and speech exercise that involves. Uh, are you ready for this? Okay. Sure. It involves. It's like an exercise. You're standing there, and. Uh, and the teacher goes, okay, you're supposed to imagine the different limbs of your body, like your your arms, your legs, uh, your your uh, your head, your pelvis, you know, as being different colors. Okay. So you're supposed to, for example, you're supposed to imagine your right arm is blue. Okay. okay. Doing now move, it. Move your right, move your right arm like a blue, like it's blue. How does your right blue arm move? <laughs> Now imagine your left arm is, I don't know, green or something like that. How does your left green arm move? Because a right blue arm moves differently than a left green arm. You understand? Now imagine your right leg is a different color and your left leg is a different color and your head is a different color and your pelvis is pink. <laughs> okay? So That's just good now, imagine, now imagine a bunch of 19-year-old kids in you know, sweatpants and 
you know, whatever, doing this exercise, okay? Yep. Now, go back to your, did I say right blue? Right, yep. Go back to your right blue arm. If your right blue arm could make a noise, <laughs> what noise would your right blue arm make? Make that noise now and move it. Move it like a blue. Now go back to your left green arm. How does your left green arm sound if it could make a noise? So what you have is you have... By the way, this takes 45 minutes, by the way. This is oh, four, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is drawn you, out. You spend a good five minutes on one arm. You know what I mean? So by the time by the time you're done, your whole body is moving and you're making these these noises. And if you dare to make fun of this, if oh. you dare... You're you're in for it. You know what I mean? Oh wow! Yeah, they were just you like, could not, "This right. is a very serious exercise." And at the end of the exercise, you have a bunch of young kids who, by the way, I'm hoping that this exercise is good because I know that my parents are paying a lot of money for me to go to this school. Yeah, you so want, I it, want to, it to be. I want it to be consistent. So you have a bunch of kids going. That was the most amazing thing I've ever. And by the way, the word "amazing" at this school is said constantly. <laughs> nothing was cool. Oh, nothing was hot. Nothing was rad or bitching or uh, awesome. That is that everything is, was amazing. That is. And a those show. were the three. Those were the three things I noticed about that school. That three things I noticed that I was in a different world. Everybody wore black, black turtlenecks, black overcoats. Everybody smoked, and everybody said the word "amazing." Amazing. That's a, that's a show business thing too. I feel like yeah. when when people talk about other people's projects or they'll just gush about people like, oh my god, this this actor, it was amazing. Oh my god, he is <laughs> yeah. such an amazing comedian. Yeah. Well, oh my god, he yeah. is. No one no one ever goes. How is he? Eh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, about a seven. Right. Maybe an eight. Amazing. It's always. I mean, when people bring it up, they always just use these crazy superlatives but of I just like. Think- He's the greatest when comedian. I first moved there, I was 18. I was really young. And I don't think I'd ever heard a teenager say amazing <laughs> to describe something that they liked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, no, everything it doesn't... was cool or awesome or good or boss. I remember I remember boss. That's yeah. To- Dude, that's totally boss. That's totally boss. <laughs> oh, but if man. you said amazing. You say maybe amazing after you – Lost your virginity or something like, oh, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, but, well, even then. Yeah, no, it just sounds like something an adult would say, which yeah. I imagine like a lot of yeah. people in a acting school, theater school that were wanting to kind of be more mature yeah. would be like, oh, this is amazing. I mean, James Lipton, I, I picture saying the word amazing a yeah. lot. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he, like, I can't watch that show. That show makes my flesh, if, if it's even still on, I don't even know. If it's now, why, why does it bother you? Because it reminds me of, of acting school and it, now, and so overall though you the schooling itself did you feel like was just a burden? I'm glad I went. I don't regret going. It was it a was, good challenge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, but mostly because again, it was the social thing. I made I made some really great friends and uh, the, the city. Chicago is a great great town to go to college in. Man, it was it was awesome. Did you get along with any of the real hardcore actor types that did any weird stuff like that? What do you mean? Were any of your friends like that, like oh, saying amazing all the time? Oh well, yeah. We, well, you know what? There's a certain point where you're all, you're, you know, you're in it. You're, you're, you, you don't. <laughs> right. you're... Do you ever catch yourself? <laughs> you I just picture though? you saying amazing. And go, no, I become one of them. Yeah, yeah. Throwing down your acting beret. When I first got there, I, I was like, shit, these actors are annoying. You know what I mean? But I didn't, I didn't phrase it like that. I didn't know that that's what it was. I just knew that I was sort of 
kind of irritated by a lot of the people there. <laughs> yeah. So basically, I, I didn't realize it till later, till years later when I was doing stand-up. That I was like, wow, you know, I, I enjoy acting, but I don't like actors very much. Yes. And I could say that now as a comic because yeah, now you comics, can... you know, we, we hang out and we get sarcastic and self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's all about making fun of our failures. And actors are not good at that. Actors aren't good at, at making fun of themselves. No, actors very... don't want to talk about the things that didn't go well. Yeah, you know? well, that's the thing. Anytime you're on a set, well, here's the thing. In a comedy club, there's immediate feedback. You can tell immediately whether stuff's going well, whether it's not going well. Regardless, you know, there's a million different factors. You can yeah. you get that sense of like this is going well, this isn't going well. But like, if even if you're doing if even if you're doing a play in front of a live audience, it's tough to tell if that's if it's bombing or obviously if someone forgets their lines. But even in a film or like a sketch you're shooting, everyone's like, "Oh, that was great, that was hilarious," because you just you want to keep this positivity going. No one ever is just like, you know, yeah. that was horseshit. Yeah, you got to throw this out. I've yeah. never heard that. Yeah. I've never heard that on a set. Everyone's like, "Wow, that was great, nailed it." And then what happened to that scene? Uh, yeah, we got rid of that. <laughs> like yeah. they. Uh, oh yeah, that was that was edited out. That wasn't working. It's yeah. like yeah, well we we could feel that, but you just want to keep this crazy positivity going. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing I don't miss about doing theater is is uh, having to ignore the boredom of the audience. You know what I mean? <laughs> at least at least when I'm doing stand up and I can see that someone is not enjoying it and go, look, I'm with you, man. I I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, you can change it up. And I did. Stand-up. I did one show in Santa Monica like just over a year ago where there was a girl in the audience who had the most angry face. <laughs> and she, I was the last comic too, and she had had that face for the whole show. Oh, and like I was sourpuss. Just, yeah, I was just watching. She was in the back row. It was at the uh, West Side. Okay, West Side Comedy Theater. Yeah, in Santa Monica in the alley, and uh, she and I just, I talked to her the entire. I sang. I sang. I sang to her the entire now, did time. Did you crack her? Did she get a no, smile? No, no, <laughs> I made her angry though. I made her even more angry, which I like. I that like is always that. that is always great. That, uh, and I wasn't funny too. Like I, I if I was going to embellish things, I would say, "Oh, dude, I totally kill." I didn't sure. necessarily kill. People found it. People were laughing, especially yeah, because the comics, you were trying because they so saw, hard. Oh, what's he doing? He's he's. So I was singing. I was just going, why are you so angry? I was kind of doing the Bill Murray Star Wars lounge singer thing, you know, but talking (laughs) about, you've got the angriest face I've ever seen, you know, (laughs) for 12 minutes. I did did that for 12, and I thought, okay. I've been doing it for five minutes. I'll bail and I'll start doing my material. But I didn't. I was like, no, no you're can't. in too deep. <laughs> I can't. Because you can't save the set by doing material no, 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 then. Because no. all they're thinking about the entire time is, is you when, doing that yeah, five-minute song. When's he going to stop? And it wasn't stopping until I got off stage. <laughs> now, okay, so you finish up school in Chicago. Right. Now, what's the plan from there? Uh, I ended up getting an agent in New York and uh, moved there. Now, how do you get your first agent? We had a uh, showcase thing. All the graduates Went to New York for uh, basically as a field trip, <laughs> and we each did like uh, what do you call them? monologues in front of casting directors and agents and stuff. And uh, so one agent called me in, and I met with him. I met with a few, and uh, I went back to Chicago, and then and des- and decided to call him, and I said, "Look, if I move to New York, will you be my agent?" And he, was, and he said, "Yes." So I moved. There you go. Like, now, did you start? Um, you start booking work in New York? No, no, no. It was that was tough. Uh, I was mostly uh, just a host in a restaurant. I did that for nine months, and then I started. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't book my first job until I booked a Kmart commercial. I think that was the first job I ever got. That was like uh, 
college? Nine, was I there for like six months or something like that? Seven months or something like that? Booked that. Uh, but no, I was just working in a restaurant. No, what, what brought you back to L.A. then? Oh, uh, I was um, understudying the, the show called The Complete Works of William Shakespeare Abridged. It's the um, three-person play where they do all of Shakespeare's plays in two hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was like a comedy review kind of thing. And I was an understudy, and I the guy that I was understudying got sick like a few times. So I went out for him. Now, was he, was he actually sick? Well, there's a lot of screaming and yelling. So he would oh, lose okay. his voice every, oh. like, two weeks. So every two weeks I would You'd suit book up. a gig just because of the guy yeah. screaming and losing so his So what I would mind. do is, yeah, I would, I would uh, and uh, when, you're, when you're doing a show like that in New York, people come. Like, it was off-Broadway, it was off Broadway, you know? So you get industry there, it's... And this one agent just called me up and said, I'm, I'm out in L.A., but would you ever think about moving to L.A.? And I said, well, I'm doing this show now. And then it closed soon after that. And I'm from Orange County, so I thought. So you oh. said, hey, you know. It's I not- figured I, would, I was moving back here anyway, you know what I mean? Because right. like, well, my family's all out here. Just gave New York a yeah, run. And th- that was the advantage is that moving to L.A. Is, can be pretty stressful for a lot of people because they're yeah. not from here. But for me, it was like, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I had a car out here. Even. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cruising around. <laughs> yeah, I got a car for. Graduation from high school and then moved to Chicago. I didn't take the car with me, yeah, which I should have done, by the way. I did because I, people are telling you, you do not want a car in Chicago. It's gonna, you know, the snow and the salt's just gonna eat. I should have had a car. I could have lived off campus. I could have, you know, yeah. But had the halcyon daisy of uh, Matt Champagne. Yeah. So now, okay, We're going co- back in time. Now you go back and uh, you're back in L.A. Back in L.A. The- now you've done a lot of. Uh, I know you've done a lot of commercials. You've done yeah. some sitcom stuff. Yeah. What's kind of the coolest thing you've done acting wise? Uh, let's see. Like what's what's been your most uh, favorite thing to work on? Mm, I would say the biggest, the biggest job I ever had was uh, uh, I was in a movie called uh, Because I Said So with Diane Keaton. Yeah. It's not a good movie. Right. But it was a huge – it was a studio movie. And I had never done one of those before and haven't since. <laughs> but Now, what's it – And I didn't have a big part. But it was – it was I was doing a movie with Diane Keaton. I was in scenes with her and, you know, not a lot, but – Now, take us through. Cool. You're, you're on a studio movie. Right. What's kind of the – what's like, what's kind of like the routine? How, how many days were you on set? Uh, I would say total of maybe five or six days. Okay. But I had this it, – it's a movie where it's Diane Keaton and her three daughters. It's uh, Mandy Moore. Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls and Piper Parabo from uh, Coyote Ugly. Coyote now, how does uh, Ugly? They all sound pretty. I mean, yeah. Mandy Moore. She's still. Uh, she's pretty hot, right? Oh yeah, yeah. She was, <laughs> and, you, and you know what? Pretty good actress too. I thought. Okay, I thought like. And then uh, the chick from Gilmore Girls. Okay, and she's then a looker. And then Piper Parabo was my wife. I was Piper Parabo's husband. Wow. She's an attractive gal. Yeah. Very Any, uh, I, I didn't see the film. Uh, any I don't know how scenes? I got this job, man. Complete fluke. Like, I got the audition, and I and they're like, but they want to come back. They want you to meet them. <laughs> like, I got the – my agent goes, yeah, they want to meet you for the part. And I'm like, because you audition first. Right. Then – and I know how to audition, but I don't know how to meet. Like, what's Yeah, that meeting? seems like it's a whole nother yeah, skill. Yeah, they want to just see how you are as a person, and that's not good for me. It's <laughs> not good. Well, yeah, that's what they do a lot of times. You have an audition, and then they have, like, chemistry meetings yeah, or whatever like that. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that, no. 
<laughs> but it must have went well. Yeah, but it went yeah. well. Yeah, this one went well, but I don't know how. I like I ended up no, having to go. I to just the, picture a, a nervous like Matt Champagne at this nice Beverly Hills restaurant. What 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 goes down? In it the was chemistry on set. With? They were shooting the film. They oh were, really? Oh yeah. Like they were, and it was on. God, that's got to be a lot of it was pressure. The place where uh, Bobby Kennedy got shot. The place on Wilshire, that hotel. Okay, it's a historic place, but they were shooting a scene there. And I ended up meeting the producer and the director. So now you just met the producer and the director. Yeah, we just and we just talked. We just talked. Like now you tried. Wanted, they just wanted to talk to me. I didn't now, even meet Piper. Piper wasn't even there. You would think you, she would have been there since I'm playing her husband, but she wasn't. There. Do you make an effort to be on? Are you like, hey, what's up, Matt Champagne? Hey, I how's it going, remember. guys? I, all I remember is like having to like I had not yet finished reading the whole script because it was <laughs> such a piece of shit. <laughs> I couldn't read it. It was unreadable. It was like the periods weren't even there. Like she didn't even put in periods. I was like, how the fuck? This is terrible. I can't even read it. Technically. Bad, not, even, not, not just bad writing, bad typing. You know what I mean? Just right. that bad. That's insane. Yeah, but then I hate everything. So it's like, you know. Well, well that's what you're a comedian. What did they talk to you about yeah. in that meeting? What's what? that? What did they talk to you about in that meeting? I don't I, – I think it it was just to see if I'm that I'm not crazy. You know what I mean? I think it was just one of those meetings where, you know. All right. Just give the old uh, not cra- – because you meet right. a lot of people in L.A. that are obviously uh, pretty pretty bonkers. So yeah. now, Matt, when is the transition? When does it happen where you go, all right, I enjoy acting. I like doing acting. Yeah. I'm going to toss my hand. I don't know if that's an expression or not, but <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give a whirl. I cut my stand- hand off and threw it into I'm gonna, I'm going to dive Mary's. into stand-up comedy. Was there What was the impetus uh, being honestly it? being a pussy about it for years like right. I, I had been saying since the end of college i want to start writing my own material and i just didn't didn't do it and i i would watch stand-up comedy on tv and i would hate it i just i didn't think it was funny i didn't think a lot of the stuff i saw you know like you watch stand-up on tv and you're like i could do that this isn't funny oh yeah yeah and i thought okay if that's what stand-up is i don't want to do it i don't want to do it so i I went to maybe five open mics in New York, and that was depressing enough for me to go. I, if oh, I yeah. did this, if I did this every night, I could get good at it. But I don't want to do it every night. I don't want to do this every night. So okay, but then what changed? But then you? years later, I, I just I I I had been a pussy about it too long, and I I had finally an understanding. Look, you need to experience how much this sucks. Yeah, but I didn't have that prior. <laughs> You know, prior I was like, I uh, before that I was like, I don't want to experience how bad this sucks. <laughs> I don't want to pay pay my. Now, what do you th- what do you think made you just, feel that you had to experience how much it sucks to do stand up and just grind it out? Well, I think it goes back to the whole quitting thing. You know what I mean? Like, like I decided as now that I'm an adult, I'm going to stop quitting. I'm going to stop. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm I like gonna, it. A moment I'm, of gumption for Matt Champagne. Right, he looked yeah. in the mirror and said, "No, I quit the I'm trumpet. Quit. I quit bowling. I quit Boy Scouts. I quit basketball." I quit those things, you know what I mean? And then and I finally thought, you quit quitting and right. jumped into stand-up comedy. And and uh, I'm going to go to this open mic, and it's going to be terrible. I made mm-hmm. up my mind. I promised myself that it, yep. and it, it was. I went to right. Marvin Mary's. Yep. Old uh, Marvin and, Mary's And, Sean, you and I, talked about I, I you were one of the first people I met when I started doing yep. stand-up. You yeah, like, Marvin Mary's like, was when we start, I started as well. Right. Yeah. And uh, I saw two of the most angry, homophobic <laughs> I don't even know who they oh, were. All right, enough about me. <laughs> enough about no, me and not, my act. It was not you, but it was one after the other. It was like <laughs> this guy got up there and was just doing all this like he was pissed off, man. He was doing all these things about 
how horrible gay people are and like all this fear of getting his his ass penetrated. <laughs> and stuff. Well, that and, is that is and, a fear of most people, I and would I, imagine. And I'm sitting, by the way, I'm sitting in the front because I've made a decision <laughs> when I go to this open mic. I'm diving I am in. going to watch. I am not going to be uncomfortable for this. And I watched this guy and I'm like, and when he got off, I didn't applaud. I, I said, <laughs> I said, I said, wow. I, I said, <laughs> then the next guy went up and pretty much it was the same thing. It was a different guy doing the same. Aisle. What's up with gay people and fags this and faggot that. And I was just it's a solid and observation. I, I'm looking around going, wow, wow. <laughs> And then I went up there and I bombed too, but in a completely different way. I didn't. Yeah, you know. everyone's got their unique way of bombing. But yeah, yeah Marvin Marys. That was the uh, the old uh, the old comedy spot. But I, where we just... I, but I bombed like an actor though. I had a a, a planned like speech basically that mm-hmm. I was going to talk about my family or something like that, and it wasn't funny and it didn't work. And I I very quickly adjusted. I like I very quickly. Okay, okay I see. I can't just get up there and speechify. Yeah. Then that's when things started to get more fragmented, and then this this bit, and then this bit, and then that bit. So you've been on a roll exci- ever since. And man, it was an exciting time. I I remember I when I started doing open mics, and that, those first like three or four months. <laughs> after that, it started getting shit. yeah yeah no, yeah. No, uh, I was really happy. I was a really really happy guy. I I found something that I was really 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 excited about more than, admittedly, more than acting because oh okay I, yeah I mean I like I enjoy I enjoy acting. I like performing, but. I don't like being an actor. You know? Yeah. Whereas the lifestyle being, and the... Being, being a comic it still feels good because I'm I'm saying what I want to say. Yeah. No. There's the um, yeah. I mean, we talk about it on the show a lot. Just the complete control. It's all on you. That whole thing. Yeah. It, it feels like you're actually doing something. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's get to a little bit of news. Okay. Speaking of a man who is in control, in control of everything. No everything. Well, oh yeah, we can. Uh, sure, we'll get to Mel Gibson. <laughs> I, I assume you're talking about Mel. Well, I was gonna touch. Yeah, I got the Mel Gibson. I, I'm assuming you heard Do the you Mel Gibson rant? rant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. Let's take a little listen. It's Let's tease it. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Well, here we'll do the Mel Gibson rant. Now this is. All right, so Mel Gibson, he's trying to save his career by doing a film about the Jews called The Maccabees. That's right. And he brings down this guy who's, I guess, is a, I think he's a Jewish guy. And, no, uh, no, Joe Westerhaus? Oh, yeah, he's okay. Christian, but I don't think he's Jewish. All right. Isn't I just he? assume he's in showbiz. No, well, um. <laughs> uh, Joe Westerhaus wrote Showgirls. Oh, yeah, so that's think. right. I think he's, he he's kind of an interesting dude as yeah. far as the stuff he's written. Right. But, okay, anyway, so they're down in Costa Rica. I've actually had the, the the luxury of being able to go down to Costa Rica for a uh, a vacation, and yeah. the fact that anyone could get angry in Costa Rica <laughs> is th- this is just a tribute to how crazy this guy is. So, right. first off, he invites all his uh, this guy, this writer, and his family down, and then just goes off on a tirade, just starts freaking out. The son, fifteen years old, starts recording it. Joe Estrahaus' son. Yeah, exactly, yeah. on yeah. his like iPad or whatever. And here, here's my thing. Hey, either record me freaking out or don't take the free vacation. I feel like, hey, I'm putting you up for a couple <laughs> yeah, weeks down yeah. at this state. You, you don't mind? You, you can't sweep that one under the rug? It's disrespectful. Well, Esther House also released all this with like a 14-page letter that 
kind of makes him seem crazy for even going down there. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's basically a dick swinging contest between two jerks. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, why not just admit, hey, uh, I'm working with Mel Gibson, not because he's a good guy, because I want to get paid. Right. All right. So you got to, hey, you want to get paid? This is part of the paycheck. Yeah. But I don't think he worked very hard, though. He had all this time to write a script, like 15 months. Yeah. And he didn't have a script. Yeah. He didn't Come have on. a first draft. Come on. 15 months. It's a lot. That's a lot of time. That's a lot. Hey, I'd be. Hey, Mel Gibson's on to stuff, man. I mean, <laughs> hey, you get pulled over for a DUI, you're going to be a little fiery. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, I don't approve of what he said, but you, you understand. Get, no, but he, he, hey, you're angry. Understandable, you're angry. Also, the one, um, I don't know if this was in this thing or another. I think it was in Esther House's letter. He, uh, he. Mel Gibson was referring to the Jews as oven dodgers. Yeah, that does Which to me sense. is the most hilarious yeah. <laughs> insult I've ever heard in my life. Like, oh, a bunch of oven dodgers? Like, that's a bad thing yeah, to yeah, dodge yeah. being thrown in an oven? Yeah, congratulations. You dodged an oven. <laughs> yeah, not us oven embracers. Yeah, but it's not even accurate. Like, what do you mean, oven, oven, do- oven dodgers? Like, what do you, like, that makes it sound like they, they knew... They knew what was coming, and they managed to what to to dodge it, finagle, if you will, and their then way that, out of it. <laughs> there's there's so many other ways you can go, Mel Gibson. So just a just a, a lack of creativity there. But here's some of the here's some of the rant, and I'll, I'll point out my favorite part. It, it's it's kind of hard to hear, but uh, it's it's where you can you can hear the energy coming through in the rant. Definitely. Why don't I Is why do I not have the first draft of the Maccabees? He almost sounds like Will Ferrell doing a character, like yeah. a guy who. I Will Ferrell does that character of like I don't know why we're yelling or right. like yeah, I <laughs> yeah. can't control my tone of my voice. Like this is almost a parody of a human yeah. being. But this goes beyond being a drunk or being uh, just an uh, like a Hollywood rich douchebag. This. This is mental illness here. This oh, is, yes. This is scary. Because he doesn't sound drunk. I don't think he's no. He's drunk. No, you couldn't, you know I mean? you couldn't be this coherent if you're drunk. I don't no. think. This, don't. Is, this is crazy. This is literal, clinical, mental insanity. What the fuck have you been doing? I got work. You are getting paid. <laughs> That's the greatest moment. <laughs> Who wants to eat? I, I'd be like the one guy just timidly raising my hands. Uh, yeah, I could go for a sandwich. <laughs> well, Wait, what's, what's really shocking? At the, what, what's at really the shocking is that there are people there with him. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, doesn't that sound like a rant that like, yeah, someone would give like maybe? by himself, like maybe to blow off steam? Maybe. That, well, that, they the, say he was outside for the most. Most of that, where you can't hear anything, and then he comes inside, and everyone's at the dinner table, and that's when he's like, "Are we ready to eat?" Yeah, I guess he knocked over a totem pole, and then he yeah. was throwing the billiard balls in the outdoor uh, billiard table. My whole thing is like, 
Man, that just sounds like the most awesome place to hang out. You can even hear like the tropical <laughs> rainfall in the background. I'd be like, yeah, this guy's losing his mind, but eventually he's going to tire himself out. Then I'm going to be able to play pool outside and look at the totem pole. It's a, this it's sounds a, like the greatest weekend of my life. It's amazing he has anybody in that room with him, that he has anybody in his life. Well, like, I it, mean, it, that just shows you the power of money, man. Right, yeah, it just it goes to show, yeah, if you're if you're a really powerful Hollywood celebrity, how long people will hang out with you. How long and it also just shows that... It almost is to to be the A list star, to be that megalomaniac, and to really own that. It it's like I think now I know this sounds crazy, but I think Mel Gibson's mental illness has helped him succeed in show business. Because I think when you show business responds to people like look at Kanye West or any of these people that like really truly believe they are the greatest i'm the greatest or at least have moments of that obviously you know deep psychologically he's very wounded but they can walk into a room and they can project that and they can be on camera and have that confidence of i'm the greatest human being alive i'm bill gibson that comes off as like oh my god this guy's a star he is braveheart he is yeah he had the audacity to direct himself starring in <laughs> A film where he's yeah, like, I have yes. to say, I, I don't think Braveheart is a great movie, but there are scenes in that movie that I really, really I'm, I'm just saying, like, a lot. the confidence and the, the charisma and that swagger to be a hey-list movie star and to just be a, a huge star and to, like, kind of command that, I think part of that is almost a mental illness of, like, I am the most important person. I am a star. And I, I think, like, Hollywood kind of rewards people who buy into their own idea of, like, I'm the greatest. Yeah. I think my career would have been much more successful if I had just been more of a no. If but I, I'm if I, if I if I had said no 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 I want it this way I'm going to do you know what I mean no no I'm saying like the, the, the most success yeah the most successful people that I have known personally in this business are the biggest babies that I've yeah. ever humility does not play well like being no. a person who's like humble like well whatever I can work with you blah 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 yeah, Hollywood rewards diva behavior yeah all right. Now we will get to a man. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, sure. Know, there, there's more of the. I don't know if you have it on there. There's the. My favorite part is when he just screams. He goes. He goes. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. And then he goes. Hate. He yells the word <laughs> hate. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's insane. That's just. That's a guy. Sounds like he's it's like doing, his subconscious. Is yeah. Happening. It sounds like a guy doing scream therapy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like no. It's he, all. It's like, all. It's this weird form of Tourette syndrome. Yeah. No. All right. Um, Literally. Political season is upon us and of course obama running for re-election and he's going out and I, I've, I've busted on him a lot for this i overall i'm a fan of uh, barack obama but it does annoy me how he just doesn't say no to any tv opportunity he was on the jimmy fallon show i mean the most annoying thing was when he did a promo for the george lopez show that's when I was like, really? You're going to be in a commercial for the George Lopez show, a late-night cable show on TBS that didn't last but a couple of years? Right. No, I'm not, I'm not crapping on George Lopez, but the president of, the, uh, of America should not be in his promos, all right? Uh, okay, you know, yeah. you can get uh, – who's Frank Caliendo? You can get him to do a <laughs> uh, Barack Obama impression. I know he doesn't do a Barack Obama impression, and it would be Why fun not? to see him in blackface. <laughs> but You should go for it. All right, so here is Barack Obama on the Jimmy Fallon show, and of course, hey, I gotta, I gotta do slow jam the news. So this is uh, Obama. I'm President Barack Obama, and I too want to slow jam the news. 
July 1st of this year, the interest rates on Stafford student loans, the same loans that many of you use to help pay for college, are set to double. And that means some hardworking students will be paying about $1,000 extra just to get their education. So I've called on Congress to prevent this from happening. All right. So you get it. He's doing bits on the Jimmy Fallon. Come on. Do to the 11. Hilarious. Wait. To, Let, to, to sex and music underneath. Yeah. Letterman will have you on. Jay Leno will have you on. Come on. Let's do the 1130 <laughs> show. Who's Barack Obama's agent? Yeah. Come on. You, you got to pass up the 1230 shows. All I know is everybody posted this on Facebook, but I, yeah. didn't, I didn't. I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, mean I, I, I. Is that the whole bit? Yeah, I mean, that, he does. Oh. Well, he does. The, he does an interview. Then he, I mean, it just kind of goes on. Of right. just, I mean, that's that's the basis of it. Of like, hey, I'm trying to do this. You know, I mean, Jimmy Fallon has this bit. They slow jam the news. He just talks about the news in a sexy, you know, to sexy music. It'd be great if Obama all of a sudden just went, why haven't you <laughs> passed my legislation? <laughs> Who wants to eat dinner? <laughs> Who wants to eat? Yay. What? this bill passed? Hey, Mitt Romney, hate. <laughs> Here's a funny thing. I started following Mitt Romney on Twitter just because I was interested. Like, okay, just want to see what he does. And he was tweeting, and a lot of it is tweets critical of Barack Obama. You don't say. Yeah, as you would imagine. Yeah. But it's funny because, like, I don't know if you've ever made fun of a celebrity on, on Twitter or stuff like that. You always have this moment of, should I actually put their at... You know, put that at sign and put their name because then oh, they can yeah. see that on their feed. Right. Maybe they'll react to it or maybe that's what I'm trying to do. I want to get a reaction. So, But he's doing the at Barack Obama and so obviously on Barack Obama's feed, he can see all these Mitt Romney tweets. I just think it would be really hilarious if Barack Obama started like retweeting Mitt Romney's uh, negative tweets or just like favoriting them, just to yeah, kind of like yeah, yeah. rattle Mitt Romney's. Like that would I feel like that would kind of freak me out. Like all of a sudden you see Barack Obama faving my tweets of criticizing him. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, I am, I am, I am doing that. And what are you gonna do to stop me, Mitt Romney? Nothing. You're not. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to go after a guy who makes fun of himself. It's hard to go after a self deprecating person. It is. Yeah. Um, now I know you're not a you're not a huge sports fan. I'm not, unfortunately. I remember that when you asked me a few years back, "Is this the Super Bowl week?" And I, <laughs> for a second there, I got kind of annoyed at you. I was like, "Come on, Matt! It's a it's a it's a huge television event. You're probably in like nine of the commercials. We could, you know, you could have some awareness that it was going on." I don't think I was on the Super Bowl this year. Oh. I was I was Academy Awards. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a very successful uh, commercial actor and regular actor as well. Anyway, Matt, uh, Deion Sanders is a very uh, well-known football player, yeah. Hall of Famer. You, you're sure. familiar with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so anyway, Deion Sanders, I guess, has had this messy uh, divorce with his wife. Now, according to the reports, his wife and a, a friend came into Deion Sanders' house and started attacking him, like, you know, beating him up or whatever. Deion Sanders starts posting on Twitter, my wife is attacking me, blah, blah, blah. Maybe as it's happening, he's tweeting? It seems like it, it might not – I think it happened like literally right after or, or pretty soon okay. right after. He's like, she just stormed into the house. She's attacking me. I'm not going to stand for this. I'm calling the police. 
Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Thank, I tweet this. Yeah, thank God for Twitter so I can put out the truth of what's going on. And then the craziest – This one beating of the, has been brought to you by Twitter. One of the craziest things I've seen on Twitter in a long time was – after that was a picture of Deion Sanders with his two sons filling out a police report about the mother. And they had someone else take the picture. And it's like Deion Sanders and his two kids filling out the police report of being attacked by – his Their old mom. lady at at a police station. The picture? No, they were at the house. I guess just filling the paperwork out. I, I imagine they called an officer. He brought it over. They filled out the. Which is, called his publicist. We need a picture. Of this. Was it a nice looking house? Uh, it was. It seemed yeah. like a nice living room. Where's and the I, house? Um, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's an LA guy. I don't know. Okay. But I was thinking, like, this is the perfect Christmas card because it's got the whole family. It's just like, hey, mom couldn't be here. She was beating the crap out of us. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and also, it's really funny because Deion Sanders was known as being – he was a defensive player, but he's known as kind of being soft. So, Do you have the beating recorded? Is that- uh, yes, I actually have the audio of the oh, – no. <laughs> I do great. have oh. a, his <laughs> wife. <laughs> Who wants to eat dinner? <laughs> do you want to eat? <laughs> Mel Gibson, when he goes, Who wants to eat? You can eat. Hooray! He yells hooray at one point. Anyway. Why? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I could just see her freaking out. Why don't I have the first draft of the Maccabees script? I don't know what you're talking about. Don't I have the police report? (laughs) Anyway, his wife is named Pilar, and she's super hot. And and, um, after this, she she gave kind of a bizarre, very actually bizarre uh, press conference. Oh. I am innocent. I understand that I have very little chance at beating a Hall of Fame two-sport man that everyone seems to love and adore. Very, very bizarre that she's pointing Wait, out that two-sport. Yeah, he played football and baseball. Oh God, she talks like a twelve-year-old. But, but why would you bring that up if now, have, now she's of course is saying that he started it or whatever? He was the he was aggressor. the assaulter, but. Now, why would you bring up that he's a Hall of Fame two-sport athlete in your press conferences? I'm a, a full-time mom. 100% for my children. Now, she doesn't give 110% like Deion Sanders. So you can see... <laughs> he's a Hall of Famer. Right. She's she... a Hall of Blamer. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is not a She's good not place. even an all-pro. <laughs> and I just haven't been given a fair shake. Woman who doesn't work for a living is probably pulling down fifty six k a month in child support and alimony. So they not giving a fair shake, man. Are they divorced currently? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, and and how old how old are the kids? Eh, they seem like uh, like ten, thirteen, something like that. Yeah. Just guessing so from does the he have custody of them? You know, I don't know the whole drama. That I think it sounds I think like it, it's, that's always the thing. Who's got the kids, and I want the kids, and it's just I, I'm just going to play a little bit more. But it's it's right. funny how she keeps bringing up his uh, achievements <laughs> since any of this began, and far too often, people are enamored by the glitz and glamour and and the yellow jacket and the star on the side of the helmet. But I would never give up. I would never give up fighting for my children and their protection. All right, so... So It's a a custody thing. 
Um, it could be, yeah. But yeah. it is funny how she brings up again his Hall of Fame jacket and yeah, he played for the Cowboys for a few years. This has nothing to do with it. I don't know. She seems pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. She's well, not well, really making a case that he did anything. <laughs> just no, no, no. You should feel bad oh, for oh, her because feel, she's not right. She, she, he's got all this stuff, and I don't have anything. Right, or that How people always believe. I, I don't know. I, it didn't. I mean, they had kids, so it must have been a little while. And the kids are older, so. Right. And I, I think they were doing a reality show, but. Yeah, I mean, she's just trying to say, like, oh, everyone lets Dion get away with everything because, I mean, Dion Sanders was afraid to tackle guys in the NFL, so I, I don't know. He doesn't strike me as a wife beater. You yeah. never know. Yeah. It's a shame. But, uh, yeah, who cares about Dion Sanders? Logan, you want to uh, wrap things up with a haiku here? Let's do it. Hello, basketball. Matt finally quit quitting. That was amazing. <laughs> All right, Matt Champagne, thank you for uh, coming on the green room. No Appreciate problem. That it. was that was very nice. Thank you. That was uh, that was a nice haiku there. Thank now, Thank where you. can uh, where can people get more Matt Champagne? Where can we check you out? Oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to be uh, Rooster Tea Feathers in Sunnyvale, California. Uh, featuring for Eddie Pepitone, actually. Uh, oh, May wow. 17th through the 20th. Sounds fun. Yeah. Nice. I just saw him on Conan. Yeah. The other night. I, uh, I've never been on Conan, but I will be performing with a guy who's been on Conan. Eddie Pepitone, very funny guy. You can uh, check out his episode of the podcast that he did at SeanTGreen.com. And if you can check me out. I will be at a show called Stampede tonight. Because this is uh, Friday, you're hearing it tonight at the Improv Lab in Hollywood, California, at the uh, Melrose Improv. There, ten o'clock. So make sure you come check me out. How'd you get booked for that? Uh, you know, I know people, man. Oh shit! I gotta get on that. <laughs> I gotta get on that show. All right, I'll, I'll, pa- I'll pass the info on off air. This is what comics do. They, they, one of them mentions a show they're doing, and the other one immediately starts to. Oh, why did I? Why didn't I get asked get for that? Mark Marin about it. <laughs> oh really? How come? Uh, how come I'm not in there? Well, I feel like we came full circle on that, Matt. Appreciate you coming on the show, and I appreciate you guys listening to The Green Room. Make sure you go to SeanTGreen.com. Hit that Amazon banner. Come on, guys. Let's get things rolling here. Thank you for listening to The Green Room. We do it live here every week on SeanTGreen.com. Listening to The Green Room, log on to SeanTGreen.com to access archive episodes and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. Also, be sure to check out documentarylabel.com.